Hello and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming that you out there in listener land know everything there is to know about being unfit to play or what a technical foul is. Uh, today, uh, I, I'm Rebecca, your, your East Coast host, um, and today I am joined by Rachel, but not Nancy. Um, yeah, I'm representing the West Coast by myself today. Yes, yes. And we have our uh, silent partner, as always, Joe, <laughs> who provides valuable feedback throughout our recordings. Uh, and I mean that absolutely sincerely. Yes. Um, so as I was going to say that this is going to be a quick episode, but as Rachel pointed out, I say that before just about every recording. And if you've listened to us for more than like one episode, you know, we're not actually good at quick. So we have the best of intentions. Do we? Well, fair. <laughs> I, I think perhaps my expectations are just incorrect. <laughs> um, but we're, we're not going to get into some, some deep things because we do need Nancy and her questions for, um, for some of that stuff. But, but we do want to go over some current events um, and some other stuff. So, Rachel, baseball, yes. a good yes. thing has happened. Yes. Uh, so, baseball's chugging along despite uh, the many setbacks. <laughs> um, one thing I do want to point out that the no spitting rule is not being enforced. And I have a real problem with that. Uh, not even because of COVID, just because of spitting. Because of spitting. I think they should be handing out suspensions for nasty expectoration, but I mean, I I kind of, I kind of agree with that at at this point, especially yeah. like, like hockey players spit a lot, which also gross. Yeah. And they're inside, which maybe we'll have to have a whole spit related episode (sighs) that just, that just never, that we never air. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I was going to say, we could. We could. But should we? Much like the scientists in Jurassic Park, we should stop to ask if we should. Uh, Anyway. Uh, Yes, anyway, let's move on. uh, Yes, there is, in fact, good baseball news, especially for A's fans. Uh, So the A's, while they they, uh, broke their winning streak briefly for a very sad loss against the Angels, uh, they came back strong this week against the Giants, playing what I think I'm going to start to call messy bitch baseball. Sure. So what do we know about messy bitches? They love I mean, drama. I was going to say they love chaos. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of both. So, yeah. Uh, the A's uh, on Friday night against the Giants uh, fell behind 7-2. to two. Just couldn't get anything going. There was a, a two-run homer, but... Uh, the offense was just not doing much and didn't seem like anything was going to happen. So ninth inning rolls around. The Giants go ahead and put in their closing pitcher uh, to, to let him stretch his arm. And uh, then uh, I want to say Semyon hits a home single home run. So it's it's now three to seven. OK, you know, didn't that's do nice. much. That's it's better than two to seven. Yeah, better than two to seven. Uh, they get another out. Um and then, uh, then the first baseman on the Giants makes a pretty big mistake, um, turns what could have been a double play into not getting any outs. Ooh. So then, uh, they've got a runner on first and second, the A's do. And then I believe that's the point where, uh, Loriano got hit 
by the ball, which I kind of held my breath for that because that led to some bad stuff against the Astros, but uh, not so much against the Giants. <laughs> um, so Loriano gets on base. It's uh, three people on base. Uh, Piscotti comes up to the plate. Everyone's like, oh, wouldn't it be great if he got a grand slam? He'd tie the game. And, you know, has a la- little laugh over it. Sure enough, Piscotti hits a grand slam, oh ties it up, 7-7. Seven to seven. They can't get another run in that inning, but they take it to the extra innings, and in the extra innings, they get one, they end up winning 8-7. Oh to my seven. god. Oh my so, god. Yeah, yeah, great game. And then the uh, the Giants come back the next day, and um, they get off to a good start again. Um, I think at one point it was tied 3-3, three to three, but then the Giants pull ahead 6-3. to three. Again, the A's, you know, they're just not really hitting much. They're getting some walks, but they're not really able to get anybody in. So it comes around to the ninth inning again. Well, the Giants pull out their closer again. Same guy from the ninth inning of last night, which, you know, I understand. The coach has to show that he's got some faith in his closer. Kind of a, you know, get right back on that horse, buddy. You know, see, it's not so bad. Well, then somebody comes up. I think it was Pinder this time, hits a solo home run. So now it's four to six. So, okay. Everybody <laughs> kind of starts looking at each other, all right? And then um, I think there was another walk, and I, one of the outfielders uh, dropped a fly ball that he should have caught. And so now we have uh, two people on base. Wait, is that the one where, like, he, 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 like, it touched his glove or something, and then it went over, or... Like oh, you know, that was from an, an Angels game. Oh, okay. A few okay. weeks ago, yeah, oh, that was okay. that was the baseball nightmare. Um, yeah, you no, know, but this time he just dropped it, or he he okay. misread it, so he didn't get to it in time. Anyway, so we got two people on base, and then up to bat comes Murphy, maybe Pinder. I don't remember. I there's just been so much cel- so much to celebrate lately, um, <laughs> and so uh, it's not it's not a um, you know, bases loaded situation, but there are two guys on base, the tying run up to bat again. Surely, surely this isn't going to happen two nights in a row. Oh he hits a home run. Three runs come in to score. Wow. So it's uh four to seven now. And, uh, the, the poor closer, I, I think his name is got for the giants. He, I want to send the man a fruit basket <laughs> because that's just not supposed to happen, let alone uh-uh. two nights in a row. Uh-uh. So he gets yanked. They close out the inning, but the Giants can't come back in the bottom of the ninth. Ends the game uh, seven wow. to six. Wow. Yeah. And then yesterday they just didn't bother and they just beat the crap out of the Giants 15 to three. So <laughs> it's been. Wow. Yeah. And the funny thing about it is if you look at the A's batting averages, they're garbage right now. They're mm-hmm. not getting hits. But mm-hmm. when they do get hits, they go out of the park. <laughs> so, and so, how uh, are these these other teams that they're playing against? Are they doing well, or is this like completely fluky? Or, um, I mean, could it signal a turnaround for the A's? Maybe. I mean, they've been doing well, aside from that one loss to the Angels that was so disappointing. Um, which they kind of did uh, what we did to the Giants. So this was a, a kind of a nice turnaround for us, but. They've been doing well. It's just been, it, it, you know, in an odd way. Sure. Um, generally, a good offense, you want to be able to rely on, you know, singles and doubles, people getting on base before the home runs get hit, you know. So you're not just – because you can hit 
you know, four solo home runs and right. then, you know, the other team gets people on base and outscores you, doesn't do a whole lot of good. But, you know, so I, I'm kind of holding my breath here and, you know, if they're on a hot streak now and then they just go suddenly cold, we'll see what happens. But right now, the A's have the best record in baseball. Wow. Yeah, they're winning almost three quarters of their games right now. I think wow. the Cubs are, are a little bit behind them, just a few games behind. But yeah, it's it's bananas. And I, so how far are we into this quote unquote season right now? About, um, we just hit the one third mark. Or, no, okay. maybe we're at... Maybe we're, no, we've got to be closer to halfway because it started the 24th okay. of June. And how many games are they playing? 60 total, I think. 60 or 62. Okay. okay. So that's like a third of their normal season. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So we'll see where this goes. But as of right now, I'm riding pretty high. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, so, so how are their pandemic related numbers? Um, like like baseball in general, not just the A's. Surprisingly good. There was a Reds player that tested positive at the beginning of the weekend. Mm-hmm. So they had to postpone some games. And so they haven't had a day where all 30 teams play since that very first weekend in July. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've, I'm not sure how long they're postponing it. But I mean, some of the worrying stuff is they're like letting players come back with even though they're I testing positive exactly. right it, yeah but with, with a short like they only have to if they've had a positive like 14 days ago or 10 days ago or something I yeah heard or if it's like concerning. if it's like they they tested positive 14 days after their first positive test or something like that yeah and the, the rationale that, was the rationale was because your contagiousness goes down yeah so you can still have it and still be contagious and play. <sighs> Got to make that money. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I mean, it's like I say, doing better than I had thought it would. Um, I mean, they had to find 14 new Marlins to play <laughs> um, who are doing not quite as well as they were that first week. But they're they're still doing well, you know? <sighs> And I don't know. I just, maybe the whole thing comes crashing down at once. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, remind me again, there's no bubble for baseball. They're all no. traveling like normal. I mean, no. normal for baseball is going to be chartered jets yeah. and stuff like that. And I mean, they're supposedly, when they're on the road, they're supposed to stay in the hotels, you know, and not go out. Um, but. Right. Uh, you know, it's not it's not a situation where everybody is in one geographic location, only interacting with the same people every day. (sighs) I mean, I I get the feeling that the players have been taking it a little bit more seriously um, since Since everything happened with the Marlins and the, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, and the Phillies. Cause you see more guys with the the mask on when they're on the bases, um, more umpires and catchers with the mask on under their other masks which is good to see. Yeah. Because that, you know, that home plate situation. <laughs> yeah, that's not six yeah. feet. It is not. And there's probably some heavy breathing. I would imagine so. Yeah. Close quarters, heavy breathing. Good old sports. Yep. <laughs> Extra spitting. 
Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that's the state of baseball these okay. days. What's uh, right. what's hockey looking like? Um, hockey is is interesting. We have some of that chaos that you have as well. Um, the the Capitals are are my chaotic team right now in that they have stretches where they play really well and then it's like they've never met each other before like in the same game not even not even across games just in the same game <laughs> uh and so consequently they are now down three nothing in this series against the islanders so when they play tomorrow they could be eliminated so by the time you hear this pod capitals <laughs> could be out of it <laughs> Okay, so they're at the the first stage of elimination rounds now. That's where yes. we are in the yes, yes, the yeah, season. yeah. Um, Flyers are up two one over the Canadians. They've been playing really, really well. Um, mm-hmm. Like they, they, everyone will tell you they were the most dangerous team um, at the end of the quote unquote season when we cut everything off in March. Um, gotcha. And honestly, I was really afraid that they were going to come back just junk because you lose Mm -hmm. that kind of momentum and that energy and all that. But they look fantastic. Their one loss was quite bad. Um, (laughs) It might have been five nothing. Yeah, five nothing. Might as well get all that bad juju out in one game and not spread out across several. It's true. And that game came the day after the Canadians coach was taken to the hospital for a uh, cardiac for a cardiac event. Yikes. So hockey, I don't it, it may be like this in other sports. Hockey is very much a when there's one person on the team undergoing adversity, they're like, let's play for so and so and they get very like rah rah whatever. Um so it didn't actually surprise me that the Canadians like beat the pants off Rallied. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they're missing their coach and their coach isn't coming back during the postseason. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's quote unquote fine and resting at home, but he's not coming back to the bubble. Um, but the Flyers now have their own rallying point because Oscar Lindblom, one of their, their players left earlier this season, um, because he had cancer. He had, uh, like a bone cancer. And so he hasn't played almost at all this season because he's been Mm -hmm. undergoing treatment. And just within the last couple of days, he has joined them in the bubble. Um, And so it doesn't look like he's playing, but he's with the team now and watching them. So like the, the day after that they announced that he was sick and wasn't going to play, the team was like, you know, it was that kind of whole rah, rah spirit again. So I fully expect that the flyers are going to come back. What strong. you're saying is all your favorite teams need to kneecap one guy. Yes. And then all rally around that guy. Yes. Will yes, one except- guy last for several games or would it have to be a new person getting harmed for each game? Well, I wouldn't want to cause more harm. <laughs> I think I'd prefer it just be one person. Okay. But but it it the, see this is where the Capitals chaos comes in because in game 1 against the Islanders Nicholas Backstrom my favorite player one of the best players they have he got hit hard by Anders Lee who is the captain of the Islanders mm-hmm. and he has now missed the the second half of that game and the two subsequent games cuz he's in concussion protocol so by by this standard like he is, he is one of the members of the heart and soul of this team. So mm-hmm. by this, 
injury and, and, you know, downturn model, the Capitals should be kicking ass right now. But they, they look, they seriously, most of the time they look like they've never played together. <laughs> they, in game two, they were up two to nothing and then just completely blew it. Yeah. They, I, I know what you mean. It's like all of a sudden yeah. the, the team went home and who are these guys? Yes. I've, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that happen. Yeah. They can't protect a lead. They can't come from behind. And I'm like, guys, you gotta, you gotta figure something out. Yeah. Um, and then in the West, um, the Stars and the Flames are tied 2-2. The Stars have been getting progressively better throughout the playoffs. Um, good. yes, they, they won last night in overtime and thank God for that or yesterday <laughs> afternoon in overtime. Um, cause it was going to be hard for them to come back from a, from a two game deficit and now they're tied instead. Um, and then the Avalanche are leading the Coyotes two to one in the series. But as we are talking right now, the Coyotes are losing six to one to Colorado. So the Avalanche mm-hmm. are, there's eight minutes left in the game and the Avalanche are up by five. So knock wood. <laughs> it's not the Capitals we're talking about. So the Avs will probably hold on to that lead and then they'll be leading their series 3-1. So All right. Yeah. I'm I'm ready to let the Capitals go. I mean, I'm not really, but <laughs> unless they find some like magic answer tomorrow, they're going to go home cuz the the yeah. game 4 is tomorrow. I understand the need to emotionally prepare oneself. Yeah. Yeah. And besides, you have three other teams. It's so. true. It's true. <laughs> and you know what? Good odds that the Stanley Cup is going to end up being between the Flyers and the Avalanche. Oh, then what? Or between the Flyers and the Stars. So then I... No, that's <laughs> not true. I do know. It's it's Flyers. Okay. Yeah. Because that's, that's what I grew up with. That's my team Fair from enough. childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's so been, it's been an interesting it's been an interesting series. No no fans in the stands, of course. Um, I did want to ask you about one thing. Mm-hmm. Was there a game that went on for like seventeen? Oh my hours? god! Yes. <laughs> I don't know how I forgot to mention that. Yes, um, game one of the Tampa Bay Lightning and um, Colorado Colorado um, Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, that was, God, that was only a week ago. That was Tuesday. Um, they went into <laughs> fifth overtime. That's a lot so, of overtime. That's a lot of overtime. So in the postseason, they play three full periods with 15-minute intermissions in between. And then overtime is a full period, but it's sudden death. So, so full 20 minutes. Full 20 minutes. And then, again, 15 minutes in between. <laughs> Or 18 minutes in between, depending on where we are. Um, Yeah. And so they went into five overtimes because they do not do um, shootouts in the playoffs. And it's, and um, yeah, so it's, it was full five on five overtime. Um, So a hundred more minutes of play till somebody scored. uh Uh-huh. 90 because they scored halfway, halfway through the fifth. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Halfway through the fifth overtime. Yeah. Um, and that was, so technically it was the first game of the playoffs, 
but the second game of the playoffs ended before this one did. <laughs> like this one started, I want to say three o'clock on Tuesday. Uh-huh. And then the stars started on the West Coast at six at five or five or six o'clock. And that game ended before the game in Toronto ended. Yeah. Yeah, I just was, knew I went most of the day without looking at Twitter, and then I did, and I'm scrolling, and I'm going, are these people still talking about the same? Oh, they're still talking yes, about the same yes, game. <laughs> yes, And um, actually, the the thing to talk about here is really the um, Columbus Blue Jackets goalie, um, Eunice Corposalo, or Jonas Corposalo. Um, he's, That's a uh, good name. It is a good name. Um, he's he's relatively new to the league. He's not always their starter, um, and he faced eighty eight shots, which <laughs> wow. is huge. Um, and it is actually the record for um, for most shots in a in Columbus Blue Jackets history, and most shots in a playoff game and stuff like that. Um, and I mean, unfortunately, well. I don't actually like the Blue Jackets, but technically, unfortunately, they lost. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I mean, you cannot blame the goalie for that. You no. absolutely it was cannot same blame goalie, the goalie the whole, for that. The whole yeah. thing. Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. Well, because when you're when your goalie's doing well, you don't pull them. Understandable. This is this yeah. is no baseball here. We don't get switch offs. <laughs> yeah. So he they he played a hundred and fifty minutes. Yeah. And then um, Seth Jones is a defender for the Blue Jackets, and he set the new record for total time on ice at 65 minutes. So a normal game is 60 minutes. So he played more than a full game in the (laughs) night. I mean, everybody did. Yeah. Because it was fucking eight periods long. (laughs) And then consequently, it pushed the game that was supposed to be after them till the next day. Um. (laughs) But the one of the one of the fortunate things about being in the bubble is that they don't have to travel, they don't have to rebook to uh, rebook an arena or flights yeah, or anything got the like venue that. Set, so. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was minimal disruption for something so insane. So is that yeah. the longest an NHL playoff the game has gone? Fourth longest. Fourth longest. Oh wow. Yes. yes. Yeah, well, the longest I want to say was back in like the 30s, like 1936 or something like that. I mean, as someone whose sport can literally go on indefinitely, I don't have any stones to throw. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and during the regular season, it will not go on forever. During the regular yeah. season, there's one um, five-minute three-on-three overtime that's sudden death, and then they go to a shootout. Mm-hmm. So it's only in it's only in the playoffs that it can go on forever. What's the rationale for that? Just that they think it's more fair to hockey doesn't like ties. Yeah. They refuse to have a to have a tie. Um and I think at at a certain point they just want the game to end. But in playoffs, it's always it's all acknowledged that the 3 on 3 and the shootout is not the best way to showcase hockey. It's not a fair hockey game anymore. Gotcha. Which is why they don't do it in the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, I do want to give hockey props. I want to give the league props, which, again, is not something that, I'll, that I usually say. Um, in the last seven days, uh, the NHL has um, done 5,600 COVID tests with no positives. 
They've actually had, yeah, they've actually had no positives since a few days before everybody entered the bubble. Um, That's great. Yeah, yeah. And the NHL actually put out a, a short video on Instagram the other day that showed how they do the testing. And... It's, it's almost like a Comic-Con situation, except without the lines, because that would kind of defeat the purpose. <laughs> um, but there there are um, – there's like a uh, an auditorium, and there mm-hmm. are little – there are curtains marked with the last the letter of your last name, and you're supposed to go into your little spot. And then a, um, the, the players and team staff get tested every single day. Um, And like on even days, they get the nose swab and on odd days, they get the throat swab. Um, And, you know, it's all it's all very well organized. And and once again, I'm shocked. I'm (laughs) pleasantly surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Unlike college, not even college (laughs) athletics, just college in general, uh, which is not going well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the news. Um, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill today. Um, they've been open for seven days and had uh, currently have 177 positive cases and over 300 students in quarantine. Oh. They, they reached the point where they had something like four quarantine rooms left unoccupied. <laughs> and so they decided we're going to go fully online now. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm honestly surprised they did that after only, you know, 177 cases. Um, well, I'm pleasantly but surprised. It's, but it's it's the 177 positives right now, plus the 300-some in quarantine. Ah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think they, ultimately, they had no choice because they had no place to quarantine other students. Yeah. I think if they had prepared other space to quarantine students, sadly, I think they probably would have let it go on a little while longer. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I also work at a university, and so we're dealing with some of the same issues. And I just keep screaming in every single meeting that I'm in, shut it down! Yeah, all Um, schooling right now is just mm -hmm. trying. Mm. Yeah, yeah. (sighs) But we did want to touch a little bit on collegiate sports. So um, let's see, the the Big Ten has postponed football. Mm -hmm. The Pac-10 has postponed football. There's some league that's like, no, we're going to keep going. Yeah, um, probably the SEC. Um, I would <laughs> say that's going to be the last one to go. Um, obviously, I think they should. Um, but if you wanted me to get into, I was just reading yep. a little bit about this. Um, and I, none of us are primarily followers of college sports, and I don't know a whole lot about um, those programs and, you know, how they're structured differently from pro sports. Um, so at the risk of sounding like an idiot, I'll go ahead and talk about something I have very little understanding of. Good. Um, but I mean, the, the basic thing I'm getting at here is talking about how this cancellation or postponement of the football season has led to cancellation of sports programs across the board. And of course, at this point, you know, it's, it's good that sports are canceled. I'm not saying that, you know, they should just shut down football and, you know, have Greco-Roman wrestling soldier on. Um, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> 
the the worrying thing is that of course you know they can't keep these coaches on if they're not doing anything or they don't have the money to pay them and just you know something I don't think about a whole lot because I, I try not to think about football is just how much of these foot a lot of the the school's football programs fund the other sporting programs okay so not having yes so let me tell you at yes, my university do. I don't recall if I've mentioned it before but I'm gonna I'm gonna skip around it for right now <laughs> um at my university Canceling football was a last minute decision because it brings in close to $40 million of revenue a year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so not only does football pay for other sports, but it ends up paying for a lot of other things on a campus as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, still shut it down. Yeah. However, but yeah, I mean, the worrying thing when I was reading this, um, this article so like they took Stanford's as an example has eliminated 11 out of their 36 sports and fired 20 staff members um and then they had a professor emeritus from the university of kentucky who was an expert on the economics of college sports say i think lots of schools have been wanting to drop some sports and this is the perfect excuse for it that's probably that, true too and that was kind of galling to me because i mean you know, which sports are going to get dropped first, the men's sports or the women's sports, the, you know, um, the women's sports, which are already underfunded and therefore yeah. under attended, they're going to use under attendance as reason for canceling them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, again, from the university perspective, um, your, your, this, this concern is absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, and and I am a staff member at the university, so my concern is primarily about staff because we get cut before anybody else gets cut. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it you know it seems to me that the simple solution would be to furlough the coaches who make high six figures. I mean, coaches in collegiate sports, especially men's league coaches, make so much money. Like yeah. football coaches are making. Four hundred thousand plus dollars a year. Mm-hmm. If we're not having if we're not having sports right now, furlough your coach for three months. You save the institution a bunch of money, and then you bring them back when sports come back. Yeah, right. They 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 lose some income for three or four months. But I'm sorry, if you're making four hundred thousand dollars and you haven't saved up enough to get through three months, there are other problems there. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I guess my concern is for like, you know, let's say you have an award-winning fencing program, you know, Mm -hmm. and you've got the best people gathered in one place. You've got students who want to go to this pro this school for this program. Mm -hmm. And then because it's not a huge moneymaker, it gets cut. You know, what happens? Well, and see, yeah. So you, that sport, you furlough your, your football coach for a quarter of the, of the calendar year. Mm-hmm. And if your football coach makes $400,000, you've saved a hundred thousand dollars, which could save your fencing team and your swimming team and your, uh, marbles team and whatever, <laughs> right? This is, this is the time for the big money making and the big expense sports to kick in to save the smaller ones. How likely do you think that is to happen, though? Unlikely. Uh, well, all colleges out there, Rebecca has your solution. So uh, <laughs> please write in and she will get back to you with a detailed plan for saving your uh, smaller sports. 
It doesn't even have to be detailed. <laughs> Just there are some very obvious yeah. places that we could save money. Yeah. I did not expect <laughs> to get into uh, work tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about I that. I thought I'd left that behind me. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, college sports, this is going to be a rough one to come back from for yeah. a lot of, a lot of sports this, and a lot of athletes. And how does this affect, like, uh, you know, our Olympics teams down the road? Mm-hmm. I guess we'll, we'll find af- out. And it affects um, students' eligibility for um, scholarships oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and fellowships and future athletic opportunities. Like, yeah. do we not give sports, like, do we do we not give sports scholarships in the fall because there are no fall sports? But then does that mean that some or many students then cannot attend college this fall? Yeah, a whole does year it push them back for on. Yeah, does it push them back mm-hmm. for graduation? Does it does it take away um, you know, well obviously it would take away their practice time, so do they then get out of shape and it affects their professional career? Yeah, yeah. it's just it's I mean, honestly, what it comes down to is all of this um, shows us in very real terms how uh, poorly structured the funding mechanisms are for education. Yeah. It just seems like education, along with a lot of other uh, institutions, had no backup plan. (sighs) Anyway... <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Rachel, tell us you yes. have some interesting unwritten rule of baseball. I do. As a matter of fact, I do. I would love to hear it. Take me out of this terrible mental space I'm in now. Yeah, it actually has nothing to do with uh, COVID or disenfranchisement or awesome. funding of education. Yeah. Okay. So nice, uh, simple palate cleanser here. All right. Today's unwritten rule of baseball, since we were talking about bunting last time, I'm going to go with this one. Don't tell your power hitter to bunt. Okay. So last time we talked about the power of the bunt, including the possibly tall tale of 11 bunts in a row. Uh, I believe I mentioned that the bunt doesn't get used a whole lot these days, and if you're a casual fan of the game, it's easy to wonder why. After all, infielders don't necessarily stay in their classic positions, For a power hitter, they often back up, sometimes even to the line where the clay of the infield meets the grass of the outfield, to put more distance between themselves and the plate to give them more time to react to a potential hit. Additionally, you have the recent advent of the shift defense, which is really just a fancy way of saying that if a hitter tends to hit toward one side of the park or the other, you group up all your infielders and sometimes some of your outfielders toward that side. Okay, since the cardinal rule of batting is hit it where they ain't, you might reasonably wonder why power hitters don't occasionally lay down a well-placed bunt, sending the opposing infield scrambling and win themselves a free base. Yeah. Well, a very few players will. Uh, Matt Olson of the A's, for instance, almost always hits the ball toward the right side of the field, so the infielders will all, sh- will all shift so that they're standing between first and second base, leaving nobody between second and third. Every now and again, Olson will bunt against the shift. That is, bunt toward the third base, since nobody's over there. Combined with the fact that he's eight feet tall and it takes him about three steps to get to first base, he often ends up safely at first. So then, why doesn't everybody do this, at least from time to time? Well, one reason, which I did bring up last time, is that there's really no glory in bunting. It doesn't count toward your batting average, and it's perceived as not fun for the audience. And why bunt when you might hit a home run? (sighs) 
But there is indeed a more practical reason, and I'll need to steal a metaphor from a sports blogger named John Wiseman, who says, if you tell a player to bunt, you might think you're calling for a Steph Curry free throw, who shoots 903 in his career from the line. What you're really requesting, more often than not, is a Shaquille O'Neal free throw, who hits 527. Moreover, it's a Shaquille O'Neal who, like it or not, doesn't want to take the free throw and doesn't believe he can make the free throw. <laughs> now, sadly, we don't have uh, Nancy here to be impressed by this uh, wonderful sports metaphor, but I think I think we all get the point. I like it, yeah. So apparently nobody even practices bunting anymore, and nobody's actually real torn up about the fact that they don't practice bunting. Uh, as the sheer number of home runs increases season by season, major league teams feel like the risk of bunting outweighs the reward, and it's better to spend, betting, spend batting practice swinging away than practicing the bunt. Now, it's kind of hard to tell whether the statistics actually bear this out or it's just a league-wide feeling, but power hitters like Matt Olson still remain the exception to the rule. Of course, at the time that I wrote this, uh, Matt Olson's last seven hits had all been home runs, so maybe there really is wisdom in this feeling. <laughs> and them's the rules. Hmm, that's a good one. Thank you. Sure. Um, so I want to I want to keep on the the baseball theme because okay. I was I was with some friends recently. I actually got to be with other human beings in person. What? It that's was, a thing you can do. It, it, in limited circumstances. Okay. So I was only with three other people. We were in their house and we all, we are all each other's bubble. Uh-huh. So we have not interacted with other people outside the bubble. Or if we do, there's more than two weeks in between when we interact with each other. Right. So full contact dinner. It was lovely <laughs> to hug other humans again. It was wonderful. Um, but anyway, we were having plenty of drinks, including margaritas. And we started getting into a conversation about um, sliding. Uh-huh. And so there was some discussion of what, what, their, what the rules were for sliding. Are you allowed to slide foot first or head first? Does it depend on whether it's the American League or the National League, what base it is? Mm-hmm. And so I tossed this one to Nancy. Nope, I tossed this one to Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> you can toss it to Nancy, and I'm sure she can Nancy, please talk give us your thoughts. for a little while. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, so Rachel, give us a little rundown on sliding. Okay, so uh, sliding, uh, in case you're unaware, is the practice of instead of running to a base that you're not allowed to overrun, and instead of just running to it and stopping, you kind of drop down either head first or foot first and slide the length of your body toward the base. Does that so, make sense? Yes, but when you say a base that you're not allowed to overrun. Ah, yes. Let's go over that first. Yeah, you, you got to fill me in there. So... In, so for first base, you may notice if you watch a baseball game, um, players just run straight through the base. They run as fast as they can to first, and they um, they overrun it. So their foot touch it has to touch the base, but they can keep running afterwards. And as long as they go straight or stay in foul territory, that's fine. The, one of the defending players can't get the ball and tag them and okay. make them out. Um, they're, so they're, they're safe over in that area. Uh, that changes if they take a turn towards second, and that, you know, puts them in fair territory and they could be tagged out. But for the most part, um, for safety reasons and to prevent collisions, you're allowed to run straight through first base. Okay. And home plate, of course, once you touch home, you're safe. And so um, first and home are the bases you're allowed to overrun without any penalty, right? 
Okay. Well, on second and third base, if you run and you touch the base, but then go off the base again, because, you know, you can't slow your momentum in time, let's say, uh, the defender is allowed to take the ball in the glove and tag you and get you out. Okay. So you have to be able to keep at least one body part, doesn't have to be a foot, (laughs) keep at least one body part on second or third once you're there in order to remain safe. And when you're tagged... Like, if yes. I have the ball mm-hmm. in my left hand, can I tag mm-hmm. the runner with my right hand? Or do I no. have to tag them with the ball? You need to tag. It can be in, it doesn't have to be the physical ball. Like, usually it's in the glove. Right. And the, the glove taps the. But it's the, the glove player. hand. Yes. Okay. If, if you, you were to bear, throw if you a bare hand at a catch. Yes. Yeah. yeah Sorry, if you, if you bare hand the catch. Yeah, then I guess you could touch them with the actual physical ball if you wanted to, and they but would that's be out. Not but the, okay. that's a very, very rare case. Okay. Yeah. What if I what if I throw the ball at you? You're running away from me, and I throw the ball at you, and I peg you with the ball. Does that count? Don't do that. Okay. Um. I don't know. I've uh. Okay. Just don't do that. You don't do that. Like that. That shouldn't ever happen. Okay. Um. And I think I don't. You know. I don't know what happens. Um. Because I know if if the ball gets hit and the base runner is hit by you know a ground ball straight off the bat. The runner is out, but I don't think you're allowed to throw at the runner. You definitely shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. Good. So anyway, so the thing you need to know is that when you're running to second or third base, you need to find a way to slow your momentum such that you stop at that base, right? Assuming you're not going to continue on past that base. Okay. Um, so sliding serves two purposes, right? It not only uh, slows your momentum down so that you touch the base but don't go over it, but it also helps you avoid the tag. Um, so if it's not a force out, there's not a runner behind you, and you're running to second or third, um, the the uh, defensive team can't just touch their base with the foot and catch the ball. They need to actually tag you. That's when they need to apply the tag. Um, so if you're low, if you're coming in low, the um, baseman usually has to catch the ball, you know, up around their head, bring it down towards their feet. That gives okay. you an extra quarter of a second, whatever, okay. to get to the base. So uh, it turns out um, the, there is only one rule that governs sliding into base, and it wasn't instituted until 2016. Um, so this gets into a, a different principle that I won't go into too much, but... Um, there was a phenomenon, there had been a phenomenon of when a runner's coming into second base, they might, instead of uh, choosing their primary purpose to be safe at the base, they might instead shoot for taking out the second baseman so that they can't turn a double play, and not necessarily even injuring the second baseman, though that that happened plenty of times. But um, like, tackle baseball? Yeah, or just, like, inconvenience the second baseman, you know, make him trip so that he can't throw the ball to first and then get a double play. So the rule instituted in 2016 basically said, no, you got to aim for the base. You got to make a good faith effort to put your foot on the base. So now if um, if somebody's sliding into second foot first and their, their foot is up rather than down, their foot should be down, which shows an intention to stop at the base. Um, if their foot is up, it's assumed that their intention is to take out the second baseman, and that um, if they're ruled to be interfering in that way, they can be called out. Okay. Um, 
I have seen that happen a few times. But anyway, that's the only rule that governs sliding. Oh. Otherwise, it's just a free-for-all. fair game. Yeah. Okay. And like I say, it doesn't have to be your foot or your hand touching the base. It could be your elbow. It could be your nose. It probably shouldn't, but it could be. <laughs> I so, would like to formally request uh, more butt touching in baseball. Butt first? Yeah, now, butt first. Now, that's what I haven't seen, but I would I would what? like to see that. Right? That is something that I would like to see. I just, more more butts in sports. Yeah. More butt participation. Absolutely. Uh, tags do get applied to butts, I would say, fairly often. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But because yeah. it's that's like hand hand height, yeah, just kind of like bloop. Yeah. So yeah, so primarily though, we're looking at two different types of slides: a head first slide in which you're reaching your hands out, Superman like, toward mm-hmm. the base, mm-hmm. um, or a foot slide, which is where you drop your weight back. Um, your weight should kind of rest on one thigh. Let's say you tuck your left leg up. Your weight kind of hits your the outside of your left thigh, and your right foot is extended to touch the base. And okay. if you're good at sliding, you you don't drop down until the you know the momentum will carry you exactly to hit the base, and then um, and then it carries you to pop right back up again, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, however, when I tried to slide, I I did the thing where you come like. Six inches short of the base, and then you have to do the butt scoot with the two hands to try to get to the base. Not the recommended method. Uh, you don't see that a whole lot in the major leagues, but oh my it, god, I wish we it would. It is a thing that happens. <laughs> That's what I would do. I'd be like, "All right, I'm gonna slide this time," and then I and just like scoot, 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 scoot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, it looks exactly as funny as you think it would. I wonder if rolling would, is faster than scooting. I haven't seen that tried. <laughs> Come on, MLB. Time to spice <laughs> things up. Okay, so I think your question pertained to when can you or should you slide head first and when should you yeah. slide feet first? So you can slide any which way you want. You can okay. even slide into first if you want to. And you'll see that happen from time mm-hmm. to time. Um, you shouldn't slide into first because you can just as easily overrun it. Um, and I think Mythbuster did an episode where they tested, you know, for bases you, you can't, uh, you're allowed to overrun. There's no penalty for it, like first and home. Is it faster to charge through the base or is it faster to drop down and slide? Um, I think they found that either there was no difference or there was a slight, um, slight advantage to just running through it because you, you retain your momentum. But so then the questions become head first or foot first. Well, funnily enough, head first sliding wasn't really a thing until the 1960s. Um, you would see it from time to time, but it wasn't taught. It wasn't the accepted way to do it. Um, and then came a player named Pete Rose. You may have heard of. Um, uh, just once. Just once or twice. Any number of reasons. Um, who decided that sliding in headfirst looked cool and that he was going to do it. So there are plenty of pictures of him out there. If you Google image search, you're going to see plenty of pictures of him diving headfirst. And I believe, did you watch Arrested Development? Mm-hmm. Whenever they talked about or made a joke about sliding into home base... They 
would flash a picture of, of <laughs> Pete Rose diving in headfirst. So please picture that whenever I'm talking about it. <laughs> okay, the, okay. With the air horn in the background. Mm-hmm. So that was kept popping up in my mind as we're talking about this. So okay. indeed, many people, both fans and athletes, decided that Pete Rose looked cool. So uh, they started sliding headfirst. Sure. Um, and, you know, people had done it from time to time. Um before him, you know, he wasn't the first person ever to do it, but I think he was the first person to really regularly do it. Um, and then in 1982, the A's own Ricky Henderson broke the record uh, for most stolen bases in a season while doing the head first slide. And I think that's also when it really took off. So as far as the difference between these two things, kind of the prevailing opinion is that foot first sliding is safer, but head first sliding is faster. So I did a little bit of research into this um, to see if those things actually uh, hold up. So let's take a look at the first part. Is sliding in feet first safer? So I, I, the kind of the obvious things apply here. For a feet first slide, you're looking at, at the possibility of, you know, there is a real possibility of your, if you don't do it correctly, your, your cleat catches on the ground, your ankle turns up, you can break or seriously otherwise seriously injure your ankle in a foot in a foot first slide um, you can also potentially injure the person at base uh, which we talked about a little bit especially if um, you have a leg up and you catch him in yeah. the balls yeah but uh, supposing that you're sliding incorrectly and doing it for the purpose of hitting the base there's still a risk of injury okay but when you're talking about head first sliding you're looking at hand arm shoulder and in fact head injuries yeah so a, 24, a 2017 excuse me, study in the Journal of American Sports Medicine showed that there was a 1 in 249 chance of injury for head-first slides, but only a 1 in 419 chance uh, for feet-first slides. Hmm. Um, so yes, indeed, there is a higher chance of injury for head-first slides. In addition, head-first sliding injuries tend to take longer to recover from, mm-hmm. um, especially hand and finger injuries. Well, and players have to wear a helmet when they are at bat. But yes. after that, they do not have to wear a helmet anymore, right? So no, the, when they're, they're on sliding, the bases. Oh, when you're when on, the bases, on the bases, you have to wear yes. a helmet. But the the helmet is meant to stay on when they're standing up at bat. It's not designed to stay. There's no chin strap. Right. So you'll see the helmet fly off all the time. Okay. You'll because see I was even players say, like, swing the bat so hard that their helmet pops off. And that's always a fun one. <laughs> Why are men? Never That's mind. a good. Why are men is a separate question that we'll address in a future podcast. Perhaps that should be the title of today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm sorry. I think you started to ask a question there. Yeah, I lost it. Okay. Well, the the other thing to take into account here is head for sliding. Even though it's done, is not really taught at any level. You're taught to slide hmm. feet first. Okay. Um, because if you do it Because it's wrong, safer. Yeah. And because there's a, a way to do it, a right way to do it, and a wrong way to do it. If you're doing it right, yeah, it doesn't feel great, but you're not taking all the skin off your leg. If you do it wrong, as someone who has done it wrong, you can give yourself a pretty good strawberry. Sure. So when you practice sliding, you're practicing landing on the nice cushioned part of your thigh and not, you know, your knee or your shin where you're going to scrape all the skin off. However, you're not... Really, there's no effort put into teaching you the head first slide. It's kind of a move of desperation. Like, okay, 
I feel like I need a little bit more momentum going forward. I'm going to throw myself at the base. Okay. Okay. Physically. Okay. So now we're, we'll take a, a look at the second part of that proposition. Is the head first slide actually faster? Um, so a 2002 study also in the Journal of American Sports Medicine showed that there wasn't actually a statistically significant difference in speed. Um, however, you'll still see a, uh, you'll still see people saying it's faster. And as far as I could tell, I could, um, trace it all back to a single engineering professor who was interviewed in 2008, who said it was faster due to your higher center of gravity. And since your center of gravity is higher when you're running, the head first slide would indeed be faster because the center of gravity is getting, is closer toward the base. Okay. But like but I said, But that was kind of theoretical. Yeah. Everybody cites that one interview with a, an engineering professor in 2008 for that statistic. And not any actual research just right. is just kind of a, a, a theoretical understanding of physics. I mean, exactly. I'm sure he has a much better understanding of physics and, engineering than I do, but still it was, <laughs> yeah, it was not, not based a, on baseball research. Yeah, okay. Not a peer reviewed study or, you know, looking at the data, but one person's uh, speculation breakdown of the situation. Okay. Okay. So the question becomes, which is overall a better strategy? Well, first of all, don't slide into first. It's, it poses a greater risk of danger and it's going to slow your momentum down. And there's no point to it. No, there's never, at first base, it's always a force out. There's never a need to tag unless you turn away into fair territory, which in that case, you would be standing up anyway because you want to keep running. Right. So there's no reason ever to slide into first base. Um, like I said, sliding is usually about both avoiding the tag and stopping momentum when you get to the base. But here's the thing. Even if a head first slide gets you to second or third base faster, it also kind of negates the pop-up like you were talking about, Rebecca. So let's say you manage to steal second successfully. If a head first slide, you slide head first, you get there, you're stopping. Mm -hmm. If you slide feet first, you can pop back up to your feet. And that's part of what they teach you when they teach you how to slide uh, feet first. Pop back up to your feet, which means let's say the, the catcher throws to the second baseman and it's a wild throw, goes over the second baseman's head. If you do the pop-up slide feet first, you're back on your feet so you can potentially run to third. If you do head first, you have to take the time to push up on your hands and go. And so you have a um, lesser chance of getting another base out of that than if you slid feet first. So uh, if I'm making the call here, and I am because it's our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the head first slide makes the most sense at home plate. Uh, it doesn't matter if you overrun it or, and there's no need to pop up afterwards. Um, there's also no raised base for you to stub a finger on. And that's, you know, plenty of the, mm. the finger injuries, not the only hand or finger inju- injury, obviously, but stubbing, simply running too hard with your fingers into the base causes an injury. And you'll see, and it's actually kind of funny, sometimes base runners, when they get to first base after they finish batting, they'll put a special glove on that looks like putting a sock on a baby to keep them from scratching their face. <laughs> it's this little conical glove that keeps all their fingers together like like so. Like a I mitten? Mean, yeah, like a mitten. Um, so their thumb is out, but it, yeah, it's a mitten. It's a baseball mitten, and it provides a little bit of protection for sliding into base. Um and apparently, that's plenty manly to wear. There's not a, a machismo rule against baseball mitten. mittens. Yeah. 
So some um, players talk about the head first slide as kind of instinctual. Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Never, never in my life has my instinct been to run at something with my head first. Yeah, but I can kind of see it. I mean... No, I want to run foot a... first so I can kick it. <laughs> okay, that may be a, a, a difference in... in lived experience we'll say it could but also be like see, a, a men versus women socialization <laughs> issue it could be but like when you're running base to base but you're also like they are also taught to slide feet for feet first so they have to overcome that instinct too i don't know it's you know okay it's an argument to be had um no, this is this is far more information than I expected there to be. So this is yeah. fabulous. Um, and the conclusion I drew was that there's not much study, and there's not as much study on this that there as there should be or could be, particularly given the fact that there's a lot of data out there. Um, but we're still relying a lot of on a lot of anecdotes and opinions when it comes to this. And so we need an enterprising graduate student to yeah. do their dissertation research on. Uh, sliding, the mechanics yeah. of sliding, the, the benefits, the time analysis. Yeah. And I mean, now you've got a lot of student athletes with a lot of time on their hands right now. So sign them up, put them in a study, pay them, which they wouldn't get from their college sport anyway, but, um. That's another issue and, entirely. I'll add it to the list. Yeah. And do a controlled study on sliding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, and researching this, I found a 2014 Onion headline that said, Injuries on rise as more MLB players sliding headfirst into dugout. <laughs> Which was all about how, yeah, it, you know, it's a time-honored part of the game, but maybe they shouldn't? Which I thought was, <laughs> was pretty funny. Um, so, yeah, there's that. And the, the one other thing I did want to talk about. As I was preparing this, a player from the Nationals, actually, number 10, Uh I believe that's Jan Gomes, did the coolest fucking slide I have ever seen. And he's so, he slides to base, and I don't remember which leg it was, but he goes the usual, let's say, left leg tucked up, right leg coming in. Well, the tag's coming in, he sees the, the second baseman pulling the glove down, so he switches feet. He pulls oh. his right leg in, sticks his left leg out, left leg gets to the bag, avoids the tag, and he's safe. It oh my god. Oh amazing. You you have to send me that link. Or I will. tweet it. Yeah. It was just it's the funniest thing and it was effective and I just thought that was super cool. That's awesome. Yes. So more of that, less of leaning with your face. Yes. Stop leading with your face. Yes. Or if you're going to lead with your face, MLB, put a friggin' chin strap on that helmet so it stays on. Yes. Fair point. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on that note, I think we are, we are done, um, except to say that today is the pod's one year anniversary. Yay! So it was on August 17th last year that we sat down and recorded uh, our introductions, uh, personal introductions and the introductions to our four main sports. 
Which it, possibly you haven't all heard because we yeah, haven't not posted all of them. Have actually come out yet um, <laughs> due to the and you know our our first episode wasn't released on on August seventeenth. Um, no. So you know, and some of our our episodes have come out non chronologically, but we'll, Listen, we'll get them out still, there. We're still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We may always be right, but we don't always have our shit together. So. That is correct. Yeah. We're woman enough to admit it. I'm writing that down. <laughs> but yeah, so the point is, hooray, it's our first anniversary. We, the podcasters, have been doing this for a calendar year. And I'd say, you know, not much has changed in that time. We've uh, <laughs> we've really stayed the course. We've, uh, we've done what we set out to do. It's true. Um, this hasn't become a full socialism podcast yet. 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 It definitely has gotten more socialist as we've gone along. It has, yes. Yeah, yeah. While the, while the, the framework of the pod hasn't changed, like, the world in which we live has changed quite a bit. So that's, yes. that's dictated some of that, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I think we picked a pretty good time to start a sports podcast. <laughs> right before there were no sports for five yeah. months? <laughs> Yeah, why not? You know? You know, it was funny. I was talking to my mom today and she was asking me about how the NHL bubble was working because she thought they were team bubbles. And I said to her, you know, mother, (laughs) if you listen to my podcast, you would actually know the answer to that. Because for the last five months, every time I say we're recording, she says, but there's no sports on. What do you have to talk about? (laughs) And so I said, mother, remember when you said there is nothing to talk about? This is one of those things that we were talking about. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah, I agree. I think we've I think we've managed pretty well during this time. Yeah. Yeah. We still ma- didn't manage to keep this one under an hour, but uh No, listen, after editing, it's going to be less than an hour. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> she says with no, a question not. mark implied. Uh, well, thank you for joining us once again. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Podcast. Our website is foulpuckpodcast.net. Uh, those are the best places to reach us. And thank you again to Joe for always being our faithful editor. Yes, and thank you to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for our music. And uh, we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.